This is Paul Adamson, and I'm in conversation with Bill Kennard. Bill Kennard was the United States Ambassador to the European Union in 2009-2013. He was also Chair of the US Telecommunications Regulator, the FCC, under the Clinton administration, and he now has a portfolio career in the private sector. Bill, when it comes to entrepreneurship, technology, job creation, there's a widely held view that the United States is ahead of the curve and Europe behind the curve. Would you go along with that? Is this a caricature or are there really significant differences between the two sides of the Atlantic when it comes to these kind of areas? Well, I think that that's generally true. The United States has been able over a long period of time to create conditions for entrepreneurship that are, I think, unparalleled in the world. There are a lot of reasons for that. A lot of it goes back to our regulatory structure, our views about capital formation, our immigration policies um, have been fairly supportive of entrepreneurship. Um, I had the privilege of serving as chairman of our telecom regulator in the United States at the dawn of the internet age uh, in the 1990s. And so I saw the creation of um, a lot of really uh, exciting companies that became world leaders in technology. And in watching those companies grow, you could see that there was um, almost a magical formula that created Silicon Valley uh, in the 1990s. It was a combination of, of good government policy, um, light touch regulation on internet services, um, and um, uh, the ability of entrepreneurs to tap into talent uh, that was being produced from fine research institutions in the area like Stanford University, uh, University of California, Berkeley. But one underappreciated uh, component of that success was the ability of the United States and Silicon Valley in particular to attract talent from all over the world, principally engineering talent, but from 1995 to 2005, uh, a key period in the early uh, evolution of the internet, fully 50% of the founders or co-founders of companies in Silicon Valley were foreign-born, uh, engineers from all over the world, including from Europe, by the way. Um, and these are companies that um, you know, became legendary. Um, Intel, eBay, uh, Google, uh, founded by, by immigrants. And so the ability to create a, uh, a platform, 300 million people, um, uh, where you could develop a technology and scale it quickly really made a huge difference. Uh, comparing that to Europe, you know, I, I think the story in Europe is pretty hopeful. Um, there are over a dozen technology companies in Europe today uh, with over a billion dollars in market cap, you know, the so-called unicorn companies. And Europe has also produced some really incredible world-class technology companies, not only today, but historically. That's been the case. But one thing that has struck me as very different um, between Europe and the U.S. in terms of entrepreneurship is there is certainly in the U.S., uh, a culture of risk-taking. Um, many of our fine entrepreneurs uh, had early failures in their careers. 
and that's not only acceptable but actually valued in our entrepreneurial culture. And living in Europe, I didn't see the same um, sort of embrace of risk-taking and an understanding that oftentimes you have to fail to succeed, and that makes a huge difference when you're an entrepreneur. How do you explain that risk aversion in Europe? Is it the stigma attached to failure? Is it a lack of get-up-and-go? Is it because society, not just schools, but also society as a whole, even parents, uh, frown on the idea of their children becoming entrepreneurs? Why do you think that's the case? I think it, it uh, relates more to capital formation. Uh, I think that if you are a failed entrepreneur in Europe, it's harder to raise money for your second or third venture. Whereas in the United States, that's not necessarily a stigma. Investors, and I've, I've been an investor uh, uh, for many years in my career, obviously investors want to know why you failed, but the fact that you failed alone is not fatal. Whereas uh, in Europe, I think it's, it's more of a stigma. And then there are a lot of other issues uh, around uh, taxes, the way that you can compensate employees with equity, which is more uh, confining in Europe than it is in the United States. So these are a lot of issues that European policymakers have identified and they understand. I think it's a question of whether um, the regulatory and policy mechanism can change to create a more hospitable uh, atmosphere for entrepreneurs here in Europe. Okay, well you mentioned the success stories in Silicon Valley. Um, you're involved now, you're co-chairing with the former Swedish uh, foreign minister Carl Bildt an Atlantic Council initiative on the transatlantic uh, digital market. Can you tell us a bit about what that's about and what your objectives are? Well, the objective is to try to understand better um, uh, what's happening with the evolution of, of all laws that govern the digital economy, both in the United States and Europe, and see if we can bring the U.S. and the EU closer together. There's a lot happening in this area right now in competition policy and privacy policy and cyber policy. So in many ways we have a unique opportunity to try to bridge our differences, harmonize our regulation, uh, obviously, we're in the midst of a major trade negotiation mm -hmm. with the EU now, and um, what we're trying to do is make sure people understand the importance of getting this right, of, of making sure that we can bring the transatlantic uh, digital economy closer together so that we can unleash tremendous economic opportunity and consumer welfare for the 800 million people who live in uh, in the EU and the US. The Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership, TTIP, that you just mentioned, was launched, of course, while you were ambassador in Brussels. Uh, three, year, three years on, so to speak. How do you measure the, the success to date, and what is your prognostic for the future uh, conclusion of this uh, agreement? Well, we're in the middle of it. Um, certainly, uh, on our side of the Atlantic, we'd like to see this concluded before the end of the Obama administration. And uh, I'm hopeful that that can happen. Uh, we were very um, pleased to see that the president was granted trade um, promotion authority, uh, which was not easy to get in the United States Congress. But that paved the way for the president to negotiate not only the trade agreement with Europe, but uh, also the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which uh, involves a number of countries uh, in Asia some outside Asia, and that's probably up first. 
Um, I think that if TPP gets done, the so-called Trans-Pacific Partnership, that will give more momentum to the uh, the so-called TTIP, the agreement with uh, between the United States and Europe. So I'm hopeful that notwithstanding uh, a lot of what you're hearing in Washington and Brussels these days, that things are hard and it's uh, uh, things are stalled, I I'm actually confident that this will get done. There's but, just there's too much at stake for us not to be able to get something done here. Well, you say there's too much at stake at the same time as you'll know more than anyone that there's a lot of hostility out there. Um, some would say ill-informed, some would say rather well-informed to the whole idea of this trade agreement. What do you say to the pe to people who, who are just concerned and, and anxious about what this trade deal might, might mean for them? Well, you know, the politics of trade agreements are, are difficult, and we've seen this repeated many, many times, uh, uh, not only in the United States, but uh, around the world. It, it creates a lot of discomfort for people. I think we just have to um, be very, very... Um, data-driven. We have to demonstrate to people that um, trade agreements produce um, winners and losers. There's no question about that. But overall, in terms of producing economic growth and enhancing consumer welfare, it's a good thing. Uh, particularly a good thing as our economies become more interconnected and more global, there's really no alternative than to lower trade barriers, lower non-tariff regulatory barriers so that economies can um, uh, can cooperate more efficiently uh, in in the area of trade. Okay, you say the negotiations will take their, their, their time and, and hopefully come to some conclusion. At the same time, we have this kind of parallel universe, which may be a temporary blip, whereby there is some concern, as you will be uh, aware of, of, on the U.S. side, of uh, anti-Americanism uh, towards industry uh, in Europe, um, and especially in the tech sector, without going to specifics of particular companies. Uh, but do you think that's a, 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 a something which will take, take off and be well embedded, or will it just be a, a blip, as I say? Well, we've gone through these periods before. Um, uh, frankly, I think that Europe is grappling with um, a really big, uh, difficult issue, which is how is the society going to embrace uh, technology that is uh, evolving at a very quick pace, that's disintermediating uh, incumbent businesses, that's dislocating some uh, some workers. You know, my message to uh, uh, my friends in in Brussels is that um, you know this is inevitable, right? Uh, a lot of the technology that is the subject of a lot of scrutiny here in the United States, in in Europe, in Brussels in particular, is wildly embraced by consumers in Europe. You know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, concern about uh, technology companies like Google and, uh, and Apple and Amazon and Facebook here, but they're wildly popular here. Consumers want them. So uh, this is not a question of turning back the tide. This is a question of, of finding ways for these companies to continue to be successful for the benefit of European citizens and to create, um, to your point, Paul, uh, an environment so that Europe can produce its own world-class technology companies that scale at the level of uh, of the Googles and Facebooks of the world. Uh, this debate would be a lot easier, frankly, uh, if Europe had produced uh, more uh, world-class uh, technology companies. Okay. Bill Kennard, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Audio Jungle.